This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger, and today, today I'm genuinely thrilled to welcome Jennifer Robertson to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Jennifer Robertson is beloved around the world for her astounding work as Jocelyn Shit, which I still love to say after all these years, on CBC's equally beloved Shit's Creek. With her iconic hairstyle, fashion from blouse barn, and generally cheery disposition, Jennifer's Jocelyn was arguably the heart of Shit's Creek. And when I say arguably, I mean I will throw down and argue this point to the end of the world. Jennifer imbued Jocelyn with nuance, a unique blend of graciousness and grit with a hint of gritted teeth. And when Jocelyn gave birth to her surprise baby later in the series, Jennifer perfectly captured the I'm too tired to put up with any of the shit right now attitude that many new moms experience. As Den of Geek writer Rosie Fletcher wrote in a July 2023 article entitled Jocelyn Shit, colon, the unsung hero of Shit's Creek, Jocelyn's fashions are basic, but her emotional intelligence is interstellar. Jocelyn Shit, we salute you. You can also see Jennifer on another beloved but totally different show, Netflix's Ginny and Georgia, where she plays Ellen, Georgia's neighbor who, kind of like Jocelyn did with Moira and the Roses, welcomes Georgia and her family to town. If you haven't experienced Ellen yet, I suggest you head to the episode footnotes and find a YouTube uh, link for a video entitled Ellen Baker being my last brain cell for two minutes straight. And I guarantee you will want to experience Ellen and Ginny and Georgia after those two minutes are up. There's actually another video that has um, a little, it's of uh, Ellen and Georgia's like falling in love as friends. And there's a little shit counter in the bottom of the screen, which I freaking love. And and you will soon be able to catch Jennifer in what I know will be another beloved show, The Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown, which premieres on CBC television on February 8th. The eight-episode series follows the trials and tribulations of 10 passionate potters drawn from every background in every corner of the country. In each episode, 
Two challenges are critiqued and rated by two resident pottery expert judges. Once the judges have assessed the potter's work, a potter will be selected to leave the competition and another potter will be named Potter of the Week and have their piece placed in the exclusive Throw Down Gallery, capital T, capital D, capital G. Three potters will make it to the finale, but only one will be crowned the winner of the Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown. The series was filmed right here on Granville Island in the space formerly occupied by Emily Carr School of Art and Design. And it is hosted by Jennifer Robertson, who th the promo material describes as the lovable Jennifer Robertson. And honestly, I couldn't agree more with that description. We also get to see the equally lovable, but in a different way, Seth Rogen, who is the executive producer of the great Canadian pottery throwdown and is as passionate about pottery as he is about pot. Honestly, the presence is fire. That's my attempt at a pun. Firing the kiln? Yeah, it's terrible. And watching the pilot, I laughed, I gawked, I gasped, and I cried, which is the spectrum of emotions that you want in your art-based competition show. So today, today, we're getting to it, Jennifer. Okay, I promise. Today, we're going to get to know the lovable Jennifer Robertson and give her our signature actor origin story treatment. We're going to talk comedy, Jocelyn, Ellen, acting versus hosting, throwing clay, and how we too can be lovable. Because if anyone knows, it's the lovable Jennifer Robertson. Jennifer Robertson, welcome wow, to the YBS Green Scene what Podcast. What an intro. Thank you. I feel so welcome. I'm um, so The first glad. interview I ever did for Schitt's Creek was with you. Wow. What about our origin story? Well, I was... I was going to mention our origin story <laughs> because I had just dropped, I only, had, yeah, at Benny's Bagels, I was, that was back when I was writing for the West Ender. I only had like two and a half hours to meet because I dropped my kid up at the preschool, raced down, which is just up, it was at the community center, raced down to Benny's Bagels and I sat there and I waited and, you know, it was, I didn't have a, because I didn't have a cell phone or, or something because all of a sudden the lady came from behind the counter, had this plate with one of those um comically large cookies. Like it wasn't like a normal cookie, even a large cookie. It was like comic, it was the size of my head. And uh, and she was like, you're waiting for, for Jennifer? Um, she's running late. So she wants to give you this cookie. I'm like, that's delightful and amazing. I hate being late. If I could send everyone a cookie when I'm late, that would be great. It, it was it was wonderful. So you're definitely <laughs> lovable right from uh yeah, right right from the word go at least oh, at least thanks. with me. Um hearing yourself described with all of those words lovable, beloved, um there's so many videos dedicated to uh Jocelyn and Ellen uh online. What is what does that do for you? What does that do inside of you to hear yourself described with all of those different terms and words? Well, of course it's lovely. I mean, there's also really lovely people who play horrible villains and people do montages of them being horrible. So I have just kind of lucked out of playing characters that are also quite likable Yeah. Um, so far. Although I'd love to play someone really unlikable. Um, just for fun, just to try it on. I'm sure you could do it because you're very talented, but you are the <laughs> lovable Jennifer Robertson. Uh, those words are remarkable. I know there are similarities between Jocelyn and Ellen, but there's also differences, which is why when I finished Shits Creek, I moved to that show and I thought, yeah, this is a different version of that. It's not small town. Um, my husband's a little more capable. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, there were differences and to play parents of teens, which is where I'm at and currently you are at. Of Yeah, we were commiserating. <laughs> <laughs> They're wonderful though. They're unique and wonderful beings. Lo- Just love the front them. lobe. The front lobe. <laughs> It's not done. Um, yeah, it's really, it's lovely to hear all of that. Okay, we're going to, we will talk about yeah. uh, Jocelyn and we're going to talk about Ellen yeah. and we're going to talk about the pottery throwdown. I wept at the pilot. It was intense. But before we do, I want to do some time travel. Okay. Because this is the actor origin story episode, capital A, capital A. Oh, capital S. I wasn't reading it, so I was like, how do you spell that? It's first episode of 2024, guys. <laughs> um, I want to go back in time. You know what? You know when I want to go back to? Okay. Our kids are 13. Yeah. Let's go back to you at 13. Yeah. D- tell me what you were interested in, you know, what you were passionate about. And, you know, what was there anything when you were 13 that gives us a glimpse, you know, into the life that you have built for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think the glimpses started much sooner than that. My father was a comedian Mm -hmm. as well. So it was kind of normal in our family. So I was obsessed with comedy writing comedy things um you know for at four when we lived on salt spring island the teacher called my mom in because she was concerned that when we did the puppet theater that all of my puppets had different voices i'm sorry what (laughs) she was concerned concerned and my mom said well that's just because her dad does all these different voices all the time she said i just want to make sure it wasn't multiple personality or a thing it's like no so oh sort of, my goodness that's surprising for salt spring because it's well, you know salt very spring in 1977 <laughs> maybe it was a little bit you know everybody's a little bit behind on create creativity versus um multiple personalities <laughs> <laughs> wow I, I mean that is uh so it goes way back yeah um at 13 i would have been in grade eight uh, mm-hmm. Kind of struggling to find my way in high school, like everybody else, but always knowing. I always knew that it's you know you always look at your young kids and they always you always want to go. What makes you? What fills you up? Makes you feel special? And unfortunately, the world we live in now is so much about the outside stuff is what yeah. should make you feel special. But I always knew, maybe because I had a bad perm and braces, that. <laughs> My personal value that I held was my creativity and my ability to be funny. So I kind of went through high school. I had a core group of three girlfriends, but was friends with kind of everybody because I was just funny and fun. Yeah. And at that point, had you articulated that like, I want to do, you know, I want to. I mean, I guess because you also got to see it in practice, you know. Well, my whole childhood, I was yeah. taking classes right here at Arts Umbrella. Like as soon as we moved to the mainland, you're an Arts Umbrella. I was kid? Arts Umbrella and Carousel Whoa. Theater. Yo, shout out. <laughs> Seth and I were she, talking about she that. She threw up some gang yeah, signs. I threw up gang signs for Arts Umbrella and, and Carousel. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Because yeah. I don't know if listeners know this, but we're we are recording. Like I, my studio is on Granville Island, yeah. and Great Pottery Throwdown recorded on Granville yeah. Island, and Arts Umbrella, Granville, Granville Island. Island. <laughs> Seth also, I don't know if he did Carousel or Arts Umbrella, but we were both saying that we took 
both of us as kids took drama classes like right over there. We kept telling everybody right over there is where we took drama classes. So that was like you and I when we went for bagels yeah. and giant yeah. cookie because yeah. you're like, I know this block. I've been here before. I used to live <laughs> farther down. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna. F- I'm gonna forward through. Okay. I'm gonna. I- oh, I didn't let you cho- choose your time travel vehicle of choice, so we just oh. defaulted to the DeLorean. I hope that's okay. okay. That's okay. Programming the DeLorean. Take me back to your very first time on set. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about it? What mistakes did you make? I love mistakes. Those are my favorite. <laughs> uh, my first thing ever was a Diamond Walnuts commercial. Um, I was the mom. I was like 24. And you were <laughs> the mom? That's what I loved about commercials. Like, you're 25 with six kids. And you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um... And someone came by to borrow some walnuts for their cookies. But my favorite like early set goof is I did a movie called Twitches, which is um, with T and Tamara Mowry. It's a Halloween Halloween movie. And I played one of their sort of guardian angel type of characters. It was my first time on a real film Twin witches. Twin Twin witches. witches. I get it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry. A little slow in the outtake. So... It was my first time really like not in a commercial, like on a real set for the whole movie. And every time the DOP would like do the wave to check the light, I thought he was waving at me. And I would wave back every time. <laughs> I was like, hi. It's hard to relay this via sound, but just imagine him waving and checking the light, me thinking he's waving at me every single and time. And you kept doing it? And I kept waving back. So what did, did he wave back at you did waving not. at him? It did not. And did and you take that personally? Finally, finally, somebody went, he's checking the light. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> I just thought he was giving me like a really slow and thoughtful And way. then you melted and that was And then it. I died of that, embarrassment. That was the end and now your ghost there is There we go. Welcome. Yeah, now my ghost is working for wow. me. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. That is. When they do the wave, everybody, <laughs> they're checking the light. So like you are, yeah, you are, you're gonna choose not to wave back, or you can wave yeah, back. I yeah. think that's fine. We don't wave and be friendly enough, you know. <laughs> it was hard for me to go. Oh, I was also checking your light. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Amazing. Know. What is? I mean, you're funny. I don't know if anybody told you this, but you're pretty funny sometimes. Yeah. yeah. What is funny? Like, can anybody? Can no? I mean, it's so funny because some of the most serious conversations that I have, especially with comedians, yeah. are co- conversations about comedy. Yeah, you know, and how challenging it can be to even discuss it. You know, but like there are people who it's like Salieri and Mozart. Like right. there's some people who are musical geniuses and some people who don't have that spark. But is comedy the same kind of thing? You either got it or you don't. I think so. I think so. But I think. Some people can find it later. It's in them and yeah. it doesn't come out until later. Um, but I think it's an intuitive. Yeah, it's it's a it's an in, untangible thing. Scientifically, apparently what it is. See, it's a serious conversation. Yeah. yeah. Why we laugh <laughs> is it's a form of shock, but it's like a happy form of shock. So we're laughing because we didn't see whatever was happening coming. A form of shock. It's a form of shock. That makes it seem dangerous. I know, (laughs) but it's happy shock, but it's your body reacting because you're like, oh, I didn't think you were going to say that or I didn't think that's where this was going. Whoa. Apparently that's what it is. Yeah. But I think you can learn. Listen, all those classes are valuable, like taking improv and all those things are super valuable for figuring out your kind of comedy Mm. because that's also part of it. It's like, well, what's your flavor? Yeah. Because you can't do anyone else's. not like, 
the 50s where we're writing jokes for other comedians to say like yeah. stand-ups are doing their own material for the most part jennifer robertson what is your flavor i don't know i think it's i think it's bubbly with some darkness underneath my own like stand-up when i used to do stand-up it was shockingly dark really which was fun to do yeah. like as a really bubbly blonde it's very person. subversive yeah yeah when you did stand up like what was what were some of the um how did that change your comedy or challenge you or you know because i i would imagine like that would be kind of terrifying you it's know terrifying. to go out on the road to different rooms i didn't stuff. do it enough to get really good at it so it was always terrifying oh. i mostly did it like in the city in toronto and in the independent venues so i never like went with yuck yucks and toured or yeah. did that so it was always terrifying i died a horrible death after I died because I didn't know the DOP was checking the light. My next death was in London, in South London, in a soft seater theater doing a TV special. And I had a 20 minute set and uh, I bombed like in a way that I've never, I could never imagine. You're like Everyone turning red talking about it. Yeah. Like how, how did you know you were bombing? Because people were not laughing at all. What was it about? <laughs> what, like, what, what was the content? It was, I had been told by other comics that going to the UK is a different thing and don't think that you can kind of come in with oh, your London, London England. England. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I tried to do a few sets before to kind of like get the energy and someone shouted at me. Some Scottish person was like, you should take a shower because you stink. Like it was... <laughs> It was true. And everybody laughed at that. And everyone laughed at that. Um, <laughs> oh, so no. that, but that was like out of every death, that was like the beginning of me not being scared at auditions or anything anymore. Because huh. I was like, if I can die in front of 2,000 people in this theater and somehow have the energy to leave the theater, go to a fish and chip place and get chips and wake up the next day, yeah. I can walk into any audition room and do my thing and not be scared anymore. So sometimes when you face like your worst fear, which everybody goes, oh, I can't imagine the stand up. There's no one else to blame. Yeah. Unless you're Joe Coy and then you're going to blame your writers. But <sighs> not cool, Joe Coy. <laughs> not cool. But if it's all your stuff, there's no one else. And so that actually was, I think, the beginning of me getting over my fears of auditioning. So but what impacted bombing and dying? And I'm going to call this episode The Many Deaths of Jennifer Robinson. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. CBC publicists will be like, what are you doing? doing? Metaphorical yeah. death. Metaphorical death. But what, what did, what did, what does that do to your confidence? Especially if you're just starting out where you're like, maybe I'm not actually funny. You didn't have any of that? I didn't. I, I didn't. I wasn't sure if stand-up was going to be my thing. Yeah. For sure. After that, I was like, I have such unbelievable admiration for the comics who go out four nights a week. And that's how you get good at it. You mm. go and you tour and you do that and you put in the time. And I was like, I don't think, I, you know, I will ever be able to get to that point where I'm doing it enough to really respect it as an art form. I have so much respect for it as an art form. Yeah. These people work so hard, but they make it look so effortless. So everybody goes, I've got a cousin who's so funny. And we're like, he should try stand up. I'm like, yeah, he should. Yeah. You should give that a go. 
and, and you'll be and you'll be there front row front tell row. her yelling at him yeah, to take go, a you bath. should take a shower you stink <laughs> i mean you mentioned performing in england but like you know even within within canada like is there is there a vancouver funny that is different from a toronto funny or a montreal funny just naming the cities in which i've yeah lived. i feel there is like a central slash eastern well there's central funny eastern funny and western funny and mm -hmm. i think it also translates like la to new york vancouver to i don't know what it is i think inclement weather makes people have a different vibe i don't yeah. know but i think there is a difference for sure yeah what's our vibe in vancouver do you think? And I'll just point out too to listeners, we're recording this on January 18th. It's day two of a snowmageddon here in Vancouver. Sure is. And uh, both uh, Jennifer and I have spent a lot of time in other parts of North America. So the response to uh, the Vancouver and surrounding areas' response to winter and snow is yeah. um, shut it down. Disgraceful. <laughs> it's day two of school being canceled. I couldn't believe it. Um, anyway, uh, I've I that's my yeah caveat for mm -hmm. that. But yeah, mm -hmm. so there are different um, vibes and stuff. I think it truly is kind of that. It's a little more relaxed. Yeah, the comedy here that I've seen, the comedians that I know that come out of here. It's maybe a different pacing. It's maybe just a different, more laid back energy. Of course, there's always exceptions to every like generalization. Um, and same with LA. LA, they'll wait for like three minutes to get to the punchline. And in New York, you've got like 25 punchlines and you're two minutes into somebody's You feel set. like somebody's slapping you yeah. around because there's so much yeah. funny. Yeah. What is your, is your goal as, as a comedian, is it really like, to make someone laugh? Is that what you, is it what happens in the moment? Do you want them to be thinking about what comes after? You know, like to, like what is the anatomy of, of why you do what you do? The laugh is everything. Yeah. <laughs> laugh is everything. And it's Cause it also, feels good to laugh. Yeah. But for you, like it's a shock to, you mentioned the shock. Yeah. But for you as the person who is inflicting the shock. Yeah. It's such immediate feedback. Yeah. On your performance. If you're doing something dramatic, of course, you can feel the energy of a crowd, but you will get an audible, immediate response Yeah, if it's going well. And then you have to choose if it's not, how do you want to try to pull it out of people and find the laughs again if you lose your way? And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's about the laugh. If, if I can make myself laugh, <laughs> I do a lot of writing now. And if I'm writing and I make myself laugh, that's the best thing. Because you're like, my brain just surprised my own brain and made me laugh. That's crazy. I love that for you. I think that's terrific. Okay. I mean, so this, what kind of career then did you want when you first began? And how is that different from this moment in your life and career right now? If it's different at all. I don't think it's different at all. Yeah. I think the timeline of how long it took me <laughs> was not quite the timeline that I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, I thought maybe I would, you know, get some regular work faster. But I think I was 28 when I quit my multiple, multiple day jobs. Um, and I was surviving on commercials for the first like four years, which I'm so, you know, it's so frustrating with the commercial agreement and everything we're going through mm. because that's how a lot of 
union actors sort of built their chops and definitely how I built my chops yeah. and learned about a set and all that stuff was from doing commercials. So, um, and it, yeah, it took a long time. Yeah. I was 43 when I got the role of Jocelyn. Wow. So a lot of people have bailed by that point. Yeah. You know? And I understand. It's not like I'm any more tenacious because I stayed with it. It's just because I don't have any other viable skills. <laughs> this is what I have funneled my whole life is around this. So I don't have other things to to do. <laughs> sure, there could be something else. But Maybe. this is what you love to do. This is what I haven't explored it. Maybe pottery. Okay, no, no, no. We're no. gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> like, oh hell no! <laughs> I did try that. That's a no. <laughs> well, okay. P okay. Putting a pin in that. Putting yeah. a pin in that. I, we do need to spend some time talking about uh, Jocelyn shit um, because, my gosh, like I, I would assume that was a little bit of a game changer. It was a huge game for changer. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm gonna pop a link uh, in the footnotes. Check out the footnotes for this episode and all episodes, but especially this one because it's fire this time. You can go on a real Jennifer Robertson deep dive. Um, but the article that I wrote about you, um, and I'm gonna like just call it up because yeah. I thought I was so funny. Um, because it was also it was like the first time that I got to use the word shit in the newspaper, <laughs> and uh, I was punning all over the place, and it's terrible. So it's no. called Vancouver actresses hot shit. And uh, and then I said, my first line was, sorry guys, but it's impossible to write about Shit's Creek without at least one pun. Here's mine. Shit's Creek actress Jen Robertson knows the good shit when she sees it. And then every other paragraph. So, you know, <laughs> but what was it, you know, amazing to, to me as like a viewer about Shit's Creek is that it went from being like, it's funny to say the word shit to like, well, these it's funny and and surreal and these people have like complex emotional lives and yeah. wow, look at how they've changed and grown and then became this, you know, phenomenal uh international hit. So yeah. what did it what did it mean to you to be Jocelyn? Looking back now from yeah. the the outside of that time, look looking back. I mean, like you said, it was a a huge change for me, like a huge shift for me as a, an actor in terms of what types of other things, other opportunities were there. But I loved playing Jocelyn. Yeah. I loved her. I loved everyone in that cast. I still love everyone in that cast. And you don't realize, you know, there's so many shows that don't make it. There's so many great shows that get one season or half a season and don't go and that we got to keep going and then watch that sort of momentum build. Yeah and do it as a team and you know suddenly we're going to the critics choice awards and we're like or the sag awards and we're sitting and brad pitt's over there and you know without saying that that's the epitome of acting that's stardom and it's its own thing yeah um but to the, the way that people love that show is really special and i still meet people every day who talk about how meaningful it is to yeah. them and how important it was to them. And so what a gift to be a part of that for six years. Yeah. And then it continues. The love for that show continues on, which is so... I mean, I've been watching it with my daughter, right. you know, as well. And uh, and like, they're still in that point where like, they're saying shit all the time. This is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the national broadcaster too. Oh my God. Um, but you know, when I met, when I met you 10 years ago, I yeah. guess it was, um, it was like, yeah, you said it was your first media interview. Yeah. And I 
You know, and you have also earlier in this conversation mentioned that one of the joys of comedy is that you get an immediate reaction. Right. But you were getting it as immediate yeah. a reaction from the audience. Right. Then. Like, you know, one, did you know that how funny it actually was when you were on set? And two, when did you first realize that this show was a phenomenon? I mean, with the actors that I was in scenes with, I knew how funny it was. I mean, my very first scene was with Catherine and Eugene. So, yeah. you know. First name, first name first, based. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows exactly who you're talking <laughs> Catherine about. Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. Um, no, icons, right? So yeah. So you're like, oh. Oh. And, and, and then I got to see Catherine's character that she had created of Moira and the voice. And once, you know, we sat around a table and heard the voices and saw all of these characters. Of course, we all thought it was special. Yeah. Then you just hope for luck and timing and all the other things to sort of fall into place for everybody else to start watching. I mean, mm. it is different on set for a comedy. You know, you're hoping that they yell cut and then you hear everybody laugh because yeah. everybody has to hold it in until. So that's <laughs> kind of what you're hoping for, the cut and then <laughs> for everyone laughing. Um, because you can't corpse all day or you never get this show done. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and they are real characters, too. Like, that's less of a jokey. Of course, there's unbelievable lines and dialogue, but it's less of a jokey. It's more of a... The comedy comes from your commitment to that character and yeah. their situation. I'm interested in talking a bit about the... Um, about Jocelyn becoming an... Um, well, mother, already mm -hmm. a mother, but, you know, having a, a baby. I, if I remember correctly, she thought she was going through uh, menopause yeah. and then she had, the, had a baby. Yeah. And, you know, to see, though, you know, a new mother um, literally not taking anybody's shit anymore. Uh -huh. Because definitely the thing with Jocelyn is that, you know, she would be like, you know, smiling and smiling <laughs> and putting up with, you know, a lot of people's shit and stuff, you know, yeah. and being married to Roland must have been yep. exhausting. Um, <laughs> You know, but like to, to, what did it mean for you to play out that new motherhood and that approach to new motherhood that we haven't seen as much of as on television, you know, right? And what kind of feedback were you getting from, you know, parents? Uh, lots of feedback yeah. from parents of going, thank you for this really real, you know, portrayal of that fatigue that you experience and that mental, so then you just don't have the bandwidth anymore yeah. for anybody's BS. Cause you're like, I'm just barely getting through the day. Like I remember, I'm sure you remember those early days when my daughter was six months old mm. and we just moved to LA and I was like, I'm gonna take her to the Grove in her stroller. Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna be grown up with my baby in the stroller. It's gonna be cool. And I got like three steps into Nordstrom and this woman pulled me aside and she said, I just wanna let you know that your shirt is inside out. <laughs> but that was so exactly Jocelyn like the hair got weird like her she got mussier yeah. and mussier and her beautiful polyester ensembles got she basically transitioned to sweatshirts yeah wardrobe wise she yeah. switched into those sweatshirts sweatshirt barn instead of blouse yeah. barn and the fatigue of being like an older mom like yeah. she you know it's harder on the, the body the back is not <laughs> if you saw somebody a um, new mom with a stroller and their shirt was inside out yeah. would you tell them? I wouldn't tell them I would uh, you would I would because be like I solidarity think, mama like you go I think she could feel that I was like feeling uh, it yeah. and I think she was doing it to go just run in the bathroom here and, and switch that 
you know, I think it was okay. a... I see your point. You I know, it was the point. mom equivalent to your pantyhose, your dress stuck in the back of your pantyhose. I think it was a bit of like, let me yeah. help a sister. I, I just, I'm trying to think of myself at that point, at that age, and that point of Mari's life and to be like, how would I have reacted yeah. to that? I'm be like, I'm going home and I'm never coming back. <laughs> I love that you that you that wasn't a, a metaphorical yeah. death story. No, though. yeah, we're, we're moving. It's getting more cheerful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just public shame. Now we're just talking about public shame. It's fine. Well, that's like, and that's like, that's so hot right now. Mm-hmm. That slays and is so real, as the kids say. <laughs> Do you understand most of what your child is saying? Like I, half the time, no. I don't. Yeah, I we have this agreement that I can check her text messages. Yeah, same. And I don't know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> Is it just letters? It's letters. Yeah. It's half of a word or a third of a word. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can check it, but this is a fate that I, there's an app apparently. I'll tell you about it afterwards. That translates preteen? They will like yeah. look at all their stuff and let you know if there's like difficult subject matter that's coming up. So oh, you oh, don't have to go a, through that. Such a dork. Um, you know, so Shit's Creek ended at like such a high note of its own choosing. Yep. What do you do as somebody though, who has like lived in Jocelyn's life and lived it also in that? I mean, it was, you, you it was a fam, the roses were a family business, mm-hmm. you know, the the shits were a family business. So you're working for a family business. Yeah. You have that great line uh, from our last uh, interview, 10 years ago, I remember it. I don't know if I included in the article, I don't think I did, but you're like, if you need some help, you just look for the eyebrows on the- <laughs> whatever <laughs> eyebrows, eyebrows is close. Eyebrows. Yeah, I look for eyebrows, eyebrows. eyebrows. No, what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and so that's a family too that you are, yeah. you know, part of and then, and then it's it's over and you might still talk, but it's over, you know? So what is that, like, did you, did you grieve Jocelyn? What did that look like for you? We had some fun things afterwards, like sort of, uh, I think probably like six months into the pandemic, the Obamas did a special for all the grads that weren't gonna be able to go to their grad ceremony. Yeah. And so they had uh, the cast of Schitt's Creek, they had us in our characters, um, singing and then Mariah Carey pops in at the end and sort of sings with us. I mean, all remotely, we're all in different places. So we've kind of had some fun things along the way that have been I'm sort sorry, of- your life is surreal and insane. <laughs> I know. Your story, you're, you just told an anecdote that included Barack and Michelle. I got you a know, letter and from Mariah. Mariah. I got a thank you letter and my name is spelled wrong and it's the greatest thing ever. It says, thank you, Jennifer Robertson. And it makes it even better. Robertson. Wow. I know. Ugh. So we've been able to have still like lovely connective moments. And the last few days on set, everybody was just a obviously a weeping, sobbing mess. Yeah. Um, but I moved quite quickly to Ginny and Georgia. I think three months later, I started Ginny and Georgia. So I oh, was that's like, very quickly. Very quick. Yeah. Immediate actors panic. I'll never work again. <laughs> okay, I'll do this show, uh, which I loved the pilot and I was really excited to do. So I kind of so quickly moved on to something. I think the grieving process has been a little bit slower of little moments of like, oh, I miss that. But it's mostly just like- Just replace one family with the other, with another. How dare you? How dare you? No, that's- I'm, I don't have Mutt and yeah. the Baby anymore. I've got these crazy <laughs> twins. They're up to no good. Up to no, up to no good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, let's talk about Ellen. I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place because I just, I want to make sure, like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I've been, I can't believe I haven't had you on. I know. Like, like this is bonkers to me. So, there's a lot of, I have like 10 years of stuff to catch up on. Um, So, you you started Jinyan Georgia, like, with, as you say, within within three months. Did you, because, did you make a conscious effort as you're looking at this material and like, okay, I have to make sure that, like, Jocelyn isn't here like that like was that something that was concerned especially yeah. because you are granted you dress so much better than Jocelyn no disrespect <laughs> Jocelyn but no um and you have to, your hair is like you know yeah. more We've fashion gone from George yeah. to J crew <laughs> yes yes exactly exactly so like what t- tell me about like what kind of conversations you were having with yourself if that informed at all I was, the choices you're making I was definitely having that conversation yeah. of how is this woman different from a, the woman that I've just played for the last, you know, six years? And, uh, you know, Moira and I had a friendship on Schitt's Creek, but the dynamic, obviously, between Alan and Georgia is quite different. Mm. Um, so I really wanted to... It was also such a fun pilot. Yeah. You know, and I'm smoking my kid's dope, and I'm, like, making friends with this, you know hot 30 year old mom and forgetting all the like PTA moms like it seemed more more rebellious although Jocelyn was very much her own person but it's Ellen seemed more rebellious and much more vocal when she yells at her son she really gives it to him oh, in a way that I feel I feel Ellen <laughs> in my bones who, who are you like more as like parenting style or personality yeah. or who are you more are you more of an Ellen or a Jocelyn I think I'm a blend of the two. Yeah. I'm not a yeller for sure. I'm like, okay, I'm going to need a minute <laughs> and I will return and we will discuss this because I really, my personality type is just that I, I take words very personally and they mm. run deep. And so I don't want to inflict or say words. Oh, Mari and I are both yellers. We okay. are just all, all It's more therapeutic. And, yeah. I kind of wish sometimes I'm like, this bottled up thing is not yeah. great. I- yeah, yeah, I don't think either one's healthy. I'm on a lot of meds. I'm on a lot of meds. Um, so something that I, I mean, there's a lot that I love. And a, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's so much great television being made right now. Yeah. You know, especially if you want to see, you know, more than just like a, you know, the kind of families that we saw on TV in the 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s, right? Like, it's just, it's representation. It was wonderful. Um, but, you know, Schitt's Creek and definitely Ginny and Georgia, the representation is just, ugh. Chef's kiss, um, <laughs> but you like your character is married to a deaf man, yeah, and you are signing yes. in that, yes, which is wonderful to see. Yeah. How did you? And especially when you're yelling too, and I know signing like that's, it's actually quite yeah. cathartic. Yeah. It's really great. Do you have to, a background with sign language? I have at all? no background yeah. at all, and it was very uh, close to shooting that they cast Chris. Um, so as soon as it happened, I just said, I need support and I need coaches and people. Cause if we're going to do this, we have to do this properly yeah. or it's not inclusive. If you don't do it exactly right, it doesn't, um, honor that community in the way that it should. Mm. So I had very patient coaches for season one and season two. Season two was easier. Mm. Season one, I was just panicked. Every day it was a sign language day. I wouldn't sleep the night before and I would just be so nervous because they would be watching the shot and then my coach would be watching a monitor yeah. to make sure the signing was not too muddy and didn't get too fast or too slow. Um, so it also kind of introduced a whole new level. It's like nervous for a day on set 
or nervous for a day on set where you're doing sign language is a whole other level of nervous. Like we had a dinner scene in the last episode of season one where I'm signing everything that everyone's saying for Chris and then I'm also signing and in the first draft, it had everyone's name written. And then I just said to the writers, you gotta give people nicknames. I can't be spelling. Cause every time someone's name is written with the letters, your, your finger spelling. Oh, wow. And I'm a terrible speller for starters. <laughs> it's like, this is two things I can't do, sign language and spelling. Come on. But they guided me through it and lots of people have nicknames and we got through. And then season two was more fun. I was a little more relaxed. I spent more time with Chris on set in season two, and it it is kind of like any other language. Yeah. The more you're immersed in it, the more you get it. And you're I are hand talking a lot now too. I know. As, as like I'm, I started talking, <laughs> the hands are coming up. They're coming up. And then people are like, you can sign. I go, I can only sign in dialogue from the show. Yeah. Just like pleasantries and like nice to you know, nice to meet you and and dialogue from the show. But I got to start getting my hands warmed up for season three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, season three. Season three. Exciting. Okay, well, before we get yeah. to season three, we gotta talk about your role, which is a role? Role? As host sure. of the, uh, well, you are lovable Jennifer <laughs> Robertson. No, CBC got your spelling right. Not, not the Obamas. Um, of the great Canadian pottery throwdown. Yeah. Tell me about your background with pottery, because I recently, I had my very first experience. Okay. You know, going in, I wore a plaid. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be great at this. Yeah, I get this. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> the, the kneading mat. I'm like, what? This is, and then you get it on. Anyway, just tell me. I know. I was a mess. I was a mess. I have loved pottery my whole life. Yeah. So I have a deep appreciation for it. And like, I was one of those people when I would get a big job, I would buy like a really nice piece of pottery. So mm. I have had a deep appreciation for it, um, but have never made anything. Uh, I did make something. One of the judges helped me, Natalie Waddell, who's one of our judges and a dear friend now, helped me make a tiny little plant pot and it was so hard. They make it look so easy. Oh, when yeah. you see them on the wheel, it looks like you just take your fingers and go whoop, and there you have a vase. But well, it's, it it's ghost. I remember like <laughs> watching ghosts as a uh -huh. teenager being like, wow, it looks so sexy yeah. and stuff. I don't think that that would be sexy. Now that I've had the experience, <laughs> the clay's going everywhere. It's going everywhere. It's hard work. <laughs> if you have giant pieces that you're making, you're like trying to break down and warm up like 20 pound hunks of clay. Yeah. I think the refining and the glazing are a little more relaxing, but everybody's like, it's so relaxing. I go, the first hour of the build for these powders is not relaxing at all. It's that, like it's a, yeah. physical, like working the clay, throwing it on the wheel. Like it's not yeah. um, zen, Yeah, but it was the best summer ever. We shot in the summer Yeah, on Granville Island. Shot right here. Right here. <laughs> We go to the market for lunch. Like it doesn't, we were in Emily Carr. So Brendan, who's our other judge, actually went to school there. Like, mm. you know, it was a lot of memories for everybody. At yeah. lunch, we would go hang around that little corner with those chairs where the bunny rabbits hang out. Oh yeah. It was just so cool. And the potters are amazing. You've seen them. The casting is phenomenal. Yeah, it's wonderful. But before yeah. we get to the potters, I want to talk yeah. about your casting because, you know, I um, I watch a lot of the Food Network. Not that yeah. good a cook, but I do like some food. <laughs> I watch a lot of uh, I watch a lot of uh, home design shows mm -hmm. and different competition shows. 
and it can be hit or miss with judges, right? Right. You have some who like they they might be actors or or whatever, and they're or personalities from that world, and they're just trying too hard. Yeah. But, you know, and I would imagine it's a very demanding gig as well. So you know, what was your you know your response to being asked? What muscles did you get right. to flex and stuff? Because you were lovable. You were delightful. <laughs> well, I. Sort of, it was kind of a two-way street. Um, Gab Free, who is the publicist for Schitt's Creek, um, phoned me and she said, Jen, they're doing, oh no, she said, if she hears this, me do an impression, they're doing a show about pottery. And I was like, Jen Robertson loves pottery. You should host this show. And I said, who's doing it? And she said, okay. And I, she said, I'll tell them to, to get in touch with your agent. And I said, if people, the pottery people, 1000% yes, I'm interested. And then we ended up meeting at a studio here called Mudroom mm -hmm. and doing like a pretend competition. There were six lovely potters who pretended to be contestants and I kind of ran around and I loved the experience. It was, it was very emotional. Yeah. Very emotional. My job was not to judge any of the pottery. My job on the show is to sort of be the support system and cheerleader for yeah, everybody. You did so that for sure, in the episode I, that I saw. Yeah, but you get you get very attached to everybody, and then I'm the person who has to say they're going home, and yeah. I, you know, would feel horrible that day when I would go home on the days we let people go. I would I would genuinely kind of have to shake it off after a couple hours because yeah. I would feel bad. And listen. Seth would always say, they're not willing, winning a million dollars. It's okay. Yeah, but <laughs> you know. Just to sort of comfort me and be like, it's not changing anyone's lives. No one's going to win a million dollars. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But you just know how hard they work. Yeah, well, and especially because like the difference between this show, The Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown, which mm -hmm. you keep saying the name, yeah. um, and oh. you know, a cooking show is that a cooking show might just be a few hours in a day. Like yeah. what I noticed is that like it, it would have it would be like okay and then we're putting it in the dry room and we'll be back tomorrow mm -hmm. okay we're going to be back tomorrow so it's like a you're together with these people yeah. for many days many right many days Which, 4 days it took 4 days for each episode but we need 2 days in between for drying of pieces and then working to the next stage so yeah it was they were long day they worked so hard they worked yeah. so hard and the things they do are incredible in yeah. this tiny amount of time that we've given them. I I hope, I feel like a lot of them said that they walked away with a real sense of what they were capable of because you don't know that you can make that thing in that amount of time until someone asks you to. And yeah. then you go, well, let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that, ep like the first episode that I, like the episode that I watched, which is the first episode, yeah. which people can watch on February 8th on February 8th. CBC. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like hitting the ground, like, you know, mm. like hard challenge, you yeah. know, right away. Yeah. Like they didn't start easy. No. What did you learn about, I mean, I know that you're a pottery um, appreciator. Yeah. What did you learn though about pottery and potterers and just the art and the craft, you know, through yeah. your experience working on the show? I learned that potters are very, very tough. Hmm. They, because it's one of these art forms where you can spend days on a piece it can go into the kiln and if something's not right the moisture in the clay the thickness of the mm. clay you can lose that piece yeah so potters are not only incredible artists but incredibly resilient because they've seen time and time again yeah a piece that they have made 
not survive. And yeah, you I, they use the word mistake. explode, that yeah. a piece can actually explode. Yeah. I've, I didn't even know that that was possible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's there's a there's a lot of heartache that comes and obviously, you know, they learn each time you lose a piece. But I mean, I you don't know any painters who are like, I made this painting and then it just set on fire and I've lost it. So yeah. they're very, very resilient. Um and they're wildly talented, this whole group. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah you will cry. I cried. And yeah. I, you will cry as a viewer. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about Seth Rogen uh, because um, he is he is the he's an EP on the show. He's a guest judge. And people might not know this unless they're very into his, you know, social media. But he's like a really passionate potter. Like he I think the first thing, I mean, you'll see, you'll see. There's connections though between, you know, um, his uh, passion for uh, pot and pottery. Mm -hmm. um, what what surprised you about like his approach to, first of all, he has the best laugh. Oh, the best. In Canada. Yeah. He should get a special citation for that. <laughs> all day long. And he is that joyful. Like yeah. he just, um, I think what surprised me is because you hear about a celebrity who's into a hobby and you go, oh, they're kind of into it. He's not kind of into it. Yeah. He is way into it. Yeah. He is totally, totally in. His wife took a class years ago and then he took the next class with her and that was it. Yeah. He just fell in love with it. And there would be so many fun moments on set. Like I remember when I actually recorded it and we'll post it eventually of like, there's a crowd gathered around someone's phone and it's Seth and the judges and some of our pottery experts on the show, and they're looking at someone's phone, and I'm like, oh, they're looking at like a funny video or, yeah. a, or a sports thing. Nope, they're looking at someone doing pottery. <laughs> like, this is he is living that hashtag pottery life. And I don't even know if that's a hashtag, but you know. It, it will be now. It will be, hashtag pottery life. Yeah, and just yeah. hearing him talk to the judges and people on the show about different kilns and different techniques, like he is really, that man loves pottery. Wow. And his wife is an amazing potter also. So it's kind of like their family. So they can thing. probably do that scene from Ghost. Yeah. 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 If they wanted to. They if they wanted to, good. they have the skills. The option is there. That's, that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, as somebody who is an actor, an actor, um, <laughs> me, me, me. What, what like what ways does uh, did you have to pull upon you know um, or draw upon your skills as an actor you know or an actor I can't say it without putting my arm out <laughs> nobody can see it but you can the arms you out. can see actor. it actor you know in in this role as as a host or like or at the same time like what are some things that you you had to do as a host that you've never had to do as an actor. <laughs> arm went out again. I mean, I think that comedy helped me a lot. Yeah. Because in, in a lot of uh, stand-up and some sketches that I'd done before, I was used to kind of playing something somewhat like myself. Mm -hmm. So the big shift here is you're not playing a character now. Yeah. You're just being you. Um, and they were also receptive to me being pretty goofy. Like some of the times I'm pretty goofy especially when it's dead quiet, like the silence in there when sometimes the work was going on and I would just sort of burst in and kind of do something to kind of break the intensity and all the potters were really receptive to that. I'm like, I can't believe you all aren't telling me to just 
get the F out of here. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Anyways. I'm sorry. Did I not tell you that? No. I know I did say Shit's Creek. Yeah. That's the name of the show. I said that like a thousand times. Yeah. No. I have um, a explicit rating on oh, this. Great. So that you can't okay. fucking swear. I'm surprised fucking they didn't Jennifer tell me to Robertson. just fuck off. Like, <laughs> while I was like, doo-doo-doo and doing goofy stuff. I uh, said like the parent of a 13-year-old. <laughs> So it was more, it was different in that it wasn't act, it wasn't acting. It was a heightened version of me, obviously, because you can't come in super chill and be like, hey, everybody, today you're going to make this. Like you have, there's still a, a presentation-ness yeah. to it, but it was just uh, a heightened version of like me, which was fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so if you're, I don't want to say too much more about this because I want people to watch. I know. There are some things I want to talk to you about though after. Yeah. <laughs> Top secret talk but, but are you gonna be um are you gonna be like live gramming real are you gonna be posting stuff? I won't be posting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Are, you on, are you still on Twitter? No. No, yeah. It was a smart I moved move. A while ago. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a good move for you. I was gonna say are you gonna live tweet, but like what do people do on Instagram? I'm gonna um, live gram. You're gonna live gram. Make a real response. You'll post oh, here's what you're gonna do. You're yeah. gonna post a photo from that episode. Yeah. And then you can talk about it That's in right. that post. There That's we go. Right. Yep. Sorted it. Done. Done. Nailed it. I shot little videos of my outfits because oh. I'm wearing mostly clothes from this amazing designer in Toronto. Like I was trying to be forward thinking about all of that. Trying. Amazing. Trying to be socially media savvy. Everyone can let me know. It's not going to be good. You know what? I I uh, I think you. I know you'll do great. Thanks, pal. I mean, I've thought you were great since you sent me that uh, that giant cookie. <laughs> of all the roles that you've played, including the lovable Jennifer Robertson on um, the Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown, mm. which one has made you have to work the hardest? I, and it could be any kind of exertion. Yeah. I would say the sign language on Ginny and Georgia kind of upped that experience for me from just acting to learning something new. And the, you know, it's it's up there in like extreme Sudoku in terms of how it makes your brain have to think in a different way. I love that you say extreme Sudoku. <laughs> I can barely do regular but Sudoku. But that's what I mean. This yeah. was like, and because sometimes in sign language, you're signing a sentence the opposite of what you're saying, mm. the words. So it was, it was certainly challenging. I wouldn't say emotionally. It was just like an actual real challenge for me to learn that. And I picked it up so much slower than the actors who play my kids. Hmm. Just shows you like, the sponginess of my brain versus yeah. like 24 year olds were like, yeah, I got it. And I'm like, how does it go again? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that was a big challenge. What role does joy play in the work that you do? I think all of my characters source joy in a huge way. Yeah. And I think the whole pottery throwdown was nothing but joy, except when I had to send people home, which was horrible, horrible, horrible. But the whole thing was joyful. And it was very cool to watch artists who do something different for the summer. Yeah. You know what I mean? To kind of go, here's someone at the top of their game, but it's not other actors or, you know, the people you see on set, yeah. the set builders, the those things. It's a whole new game and yeah. so that was cool too i you reach an age where if it's not going to be joyful 
do you really want to do it? Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's gonna, not going to be hard because you're right. Joy is such a different word than happy or whatever. Joy is a tangible moment. Yeah. Happiness is some weird, unattainable. I don't like happy anymore. No, I don't like it either. Growing up, it was like, you know, don't worry, be happy. And, yeah. and the, you know, and that big, smiling yeah. happy face thing I yeah. hit my mic like such a I haven't done 300 <laughs> of these at all you know because happy is so happiness is so fleeting uh -huh. but there's something so it's just like joy and contentment you know they're like a and they're an appreciation of the moment knowing yeah. that this moment won't last forever yeah you know wow. so I think I've been very lucky to play joyful characters and be on joyful sets like yeah. lovely sets the Ginny and Georgia cast are all amazing also so how lucky am I to go from one show with a great cast to another show with a great cast and um and then to go and be able to do the throwdown here at home yeah and be around these incredible artists was so cool that's amazing I love being able to watch you have joy <laughs> on I'm my screen to be stressed <laughs> <laughs> what is a what is a type of role that you haven't played yet that you yearn to play. Now, you did mention villain before, mm -hmm. you know, so if we're going to stay with villain, you can stay yeah. with villain, do something else. So if you stay yeah. with villain, I want you to get more specific of the kind of, like, the qualities that this villain yeah. would have. I had a little whisper of it. I did a movie called Crawl Space um, with Henry Thomas where I played a, mm. I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but I'm just going to say it, where I play a sheriff's deputy and I seem very sweet. It seems very much a me character. Mm -hmm. And then you find out at the end that I actually have orchestrated the whole thing. Ooh. And I say a lot of, like, too many words. Explicit would not cover all the words that I say at the end of the show. So that was fun to, that was like a delicious, like, 10 minutes at the end of the yeah. movie where I was like, I'm actually the bad guy. <laughs> um, the Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Remove my mask. It was all because of me. Um. So I would like, I think I would like a villain in the round that Joker, like I'd like to play with what I normally play, which is happy, smiley, joyful mm -hmm. type of characters. But truly, oh, that was a big Wait. chunk of snow, everyone. <laughs> a large chunk of it snow. It just went floop. Oh, you could see it all yeah, falling it's down, yeah. down the window. Wow, yeah, it's weather. Not a not a soundproof uh, sound studio. Proof. I used to record next to um, a dumpster. Not like, well, there was a dumpster on the other side of the window. I wasn't like, hey, this is a great dumpster. It was in Kitsilano. Rent's very expensive. Anyway, so so there would be garbage trucks beeping all the time. Oh, this beep, is beep, just beep. snow. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit of snow. Yeah, right? we're okay. We're okay. We're Okay. <laughs> I, <did just>, I, <laughs> like, I just felt something fall behind me. I was like, what was that? Um yes, I would like to to explore that type of a villain. Yeah. That's like funny but really scary. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of scaring me as you're saying that too. I want that for you. Yeah. Do, do you ever have like, what the fuck? This is actually my life. Yeah. moments like and I don't mean like what the fuck this is actually my life I mean what the fuck see I'm not an actor but I can do emphasis <laughs> totally yeah totally um, yeah so when do those happen for you a lot these days yeah a lot of gratitude a lot of um appreciating it's been such a hard couple of years in showbiz mm. uh with strikes and all of these things happening and so to somehow keep the lights on mm. just feels like a win. Yeah. Um, but I have a lot of those. I 
you know, I'm grateful for this moment. I know it, like joy, it won't be permanent. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if I'm going to, you know, keep working for the next few years. You don't know. Yeah. So all the moments where you are going to a set, I mean, most actors feel that, right? You're yeah. in a, you're in a van, you're going to set, you're doing your thing. Um, is You feel pretty lucky. I get that. I feel that. That's why I love my table. I get mm -hmm. that feeling here. Mm -hmm. um, there's no there's no rush like it at all. Okay, yeah. I got I got this is the last question. Okay, I got oh. one more question for you. Okay. Um, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Well, because okay. I have to. This is specific to an age. Um, and you had mentioned we. I had asked you about thirteen year old you, but then you mentioned the you that was in you know preschool or kindergarten and making All lots of voices, voices with puppets. So if you could go back in time to to that time in your life, you go to Salt Spring and you have the opportunity to, you know, kneel down and give yourself some some words of wisdom or some advice, you know, that would make the, you know, this um the journey of exploring craft and walking this, you know, funny <laughs> pursuing right. the funny right. and the joy. You know, like what would you what would you say? Or would you not say anything at all? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to try to say it and not cry. Um, my father, who's no longer here, um, was such a supporter of me and was such that person mm. and always said those things and always supported me and all of the creative things that I did that I don't think I would need to go back mm. and tell that little kid that because I had my father and my mother didn't understand it all, but like went with it anyways. But yeah. my father was that person that cheerleaded everything that I did. And so mm. I I think she had the support that she needed. And I don't think she would need anybody to tell her to keep going because my dad yeah. always told me to keep going. Yeah. You know, like, and that is also like a lot of creative people grew up with non-creative parents yeah. who were like, could you please just be a lawyer or could you please just do something? But I had this unconditional support from, you know, just little Jen to now. So wow. that's what I would say. That's beautiful. Yeah. This was great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this again. Okay. Not in like 10 Not years. Not in 10 years. Yeah. Like two. Like two. Yeah. Two is good. Tops. Yeah. But you know what? I'll bring I'll bring a cookie next okay. time. I really and should have brought a cookie this time. If we go back to Granville Island, just yeah. come to set, <laughs> come and visit, see, that would be see it all going super, down. Super fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So the Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown airs uh, on February 8th. Uh, it's first episode then, and then it's uh, eight episodes. Uh, and ten potters, ten potters, and and Jen and the judges and Seth Rogen and his voice and his laugh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, that you are on the Instagram. I'm on the Instagram. And it's what is your Frenifer. handle? Frenifer. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. You know, especially because um, Jocelyn and Ellen are you know two uh, famous Friendly. friends, right? Yeah. 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 Well, as as uh, what's what was her name? Rosie Fletcher wrote in that article for Denna Geek, um, but I'm gonna adapt it. Uh, Jennifer Robertson, we salute you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, and listeners, this was joyful. This yeah, was a joy. I'm feeling a lot of joy, but now I want a cookie too. So it's you know, <laughs> uh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, listeners, I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. I need a cookie. Have a great 2024. Spend a lot of time with us. 
Uh, we have more than 300 episodes for you to uh, to listen to, and we're gonna have a lot more. Um, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find more listeners, and we can keep having rad conversations like the one we had today. You can find us at ybrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and Threads. I think my daughter may be at TikTok. Um, I have all the things. I have all the things. And if one of them shuts down, find me at another one. I'm at YBR Screen Scene and at Sabrinarf. Sabrinarf is mostly cat photos. Um, and I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Come for the cat photos. The YBR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Rani Meta Firminger. And it's, oh, here come the Firmingers. It's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Paul Firminger for tech. While their screen scene is a division of the very Firminger-centric Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.